0: So, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13, broken peace or no peace, starting verse 1, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirits and have seen Nothing. There's been a rash lately of predictions, maybe not by people calling themselves prophets, but prophesying or or predicting or claiming from the Bible or from the signs in the skies or in Wall Street that there are predictions that are going to happen that are going to majorly impact all of society and all of our lives, and they've just been flat out wrong. In biblical times, in Ezekiel's time, they were prophesying that Jerusalem was going to be safe. In the context of this chapter, Jerusalem's going to be safe. Everything's going to be all right. Babylon's not going to come and destroy us. And so Ezekiel was warning against those false prophets and false prophecies. Oh, Israel, your prophets have like foxes in the deserts, or like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They've envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope it will be confirmed. And even when it's not confirmed, they just write another book and sell another DVD, and the masses still continue to follow them. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Because indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying, peace, when there is no peace. And that's a whole other aspect, again, in context. They're saying there's going to be peace for Jerusalem. Don't worry, we're okay. And today there are those who've been prophesying all different kinds of things, but also peace, when there is no peace. I'm going to show you a little trailer of something that's coming out here pretty soon. Kind of a proclamation of peace. No matter what divides us, his words unite us. For the first time in history, the Pope opens his doors to address the questions and issues we face together as a leader whose faith inspires the world. I have the distinct honor of presenting to you Pope Francis of the Holy See. Buenas tardes. From award-winning director Vim Vendors dice que no se puede servir a dos señores. O servimos a Dios or servimos a las riquezas. Smiling here in the studio at the looks of this car. We are used to the big American limousines, and this is a Mr. Bean car by comparison, and yet it's gonna take him around town. Familias discutimos, las familias a veces vuelan los platos, no voy a hablar de la suegra. En la familia hay dificultades, pero esas dificultades se superan con amor. In a world. saber escuchar. Las diferencias nos dan miedo, porque nos hacen crecer. One mirror has a mission. No E fortezza. To bring us together. Abbiamo tanto da fare e dobbiamo farlo insieme. peace, unity, bringing us all together, unity together. He sits at the end there, you notice he's sitting there praying before Mary. Bring us all together into unity together. And uh, here he is um, in New York City. I think it's near the World Trade Center uh, with an ecumenical group together, a uh, rabbi on his side, and imam on his other side, as well as Buddhists, and Hindus, and Greek Orthodox, and Protestants, and all various faiths coming together, unifying together, them him as a central theme. In that little trailer, uh, there was a voice that introduced him, uh, the Holy See. Oh, and this person here, who's at the microphone, uh, yeah. <laughs> mentions him as the Holy Father. Same term that was used by Barack Obama. Referring to him as the Holy Father. Same term that uh, President Bush used for his predecessor, Holy Father. And that voice that we heard introducing him in the trailer, that was, um, um, uh, he was the House Speaker, um, Boehner, thank you, John Boehner, uh, when he appeared before Congress unifying the country together, for the UN, uniting the world together. Here he is, <clears throat> with all the leaders of the European Union, giving a message of that they need to stay united, hold together right after uh, Brexit, Britain leaving, exiting the European Union, that we need to stick together, we need to unite together stay united together, the various leaders there. So in the religious world, pulling the li- religious world together, pulling the political world together, his goal and his aim, and that sounds real good and real nice. All coexist together, you know, as he's the central. You know, so they're all blessed, dressed in black, including the women, it's not just black suits, but all the women too. He's in white, central, standing forward, as the key, as the lead, There's a focus, so you know, coexist. And I'm all for coexisting, you know, I don't have a problem with existing together with all different kinds of opinions and differences, differences of culture and differences of backgrounds and differences of likes and dislikes, and you know, that's all fine. You know, some people like to roll the toilet paper this way and other people like to roll the toilet paper that way and you know, that's fine. We can coexist together. You know, and that's all wonderful. But we don't yield the word of God. We don't yield our faith, our beliefs, in the word of God. And in context of this chapter, Ezekiel's prophesying about prophets who are giving a message that is not in in, in accordance with the word of God. Who are pacifying people with a false peace that's not going to come. A false unity—that's not going to happen—and encourage people to give up their differences and their beliefs for a false hope to follow under one banner, a wrong banner. Now, this current pope—he's a Jesuit, pretty well known. From the Library of Congress, this is a the Jesuit oath, or at least a portion—a short portion of the Jesuit oath, again quoting from the Library of Congress, or the the, the record of it that's there. I furthermore promise and declare that I will, when opportunity present, make and wage relentless war, secretly or openly, against all heretics, Protestants and liberals, as I am directed to do, to extirpate and to exterminate them from the face of the whole earth, and then I will spare neither age, sex, or condition, and then I will hang, waste, boil, flay, strangle, and bury alive these infamous heretics, rip up the stomachs and wombs of their women, and crushed their infants' heads against the walls in order to annihilate forever their execrable race, that when the same cannot be done openly, I will secretly use the poisoned cup, the strangulating cord, the steel of the ponard, or the laden bullet, regardless of the honor, rank, dignity, Or authority of the person or persons whatever may be their condition in life either public or private as I at any time may be directed to do by my age by any agent of the Pope or superior of the Brotherhood of the Holy Faith or the Society of Jesus well that sounds like a very loving unifying message Back to Ezekiel, chapter 13, verse 10. One builds a wall, and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Say to them, it will fall. There will be a flooding rain, and you, O great hailstones, will fall, and a stormy wind shall tear it down. I will accomplish my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it with untempered mortar. Putting up false walls, false hopes. And you notice again in the movie, there he is going to to a wall, Free Palestine and encouraging BDS. I'm sure there's plenty of walls he could have gone in front of other than that particular spot. Verse 15, I will say the wall is no more, nor those who plastered it, the prophets of Israel who prophesied concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there will be no peace. When there is no peace, says the Lord God oh, it'll be real nice, it sounds real nice. Oh, a millennial of peace, peace on earth, it's wonderful, it'll take place. and Yeshua will reign and all of a sudden everyone will start liking each other and everyone will start being good. Everyone will denuclearize and everything will be wonderful. We'll lay down our guns and they'll lay down their guns. We'll all pass out marijuana and sing kumbaya together as we hold hands. But that's not what the Bible predicts. Will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, killing people who shall not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lie? And the multitudes listen to lies. They lie, and they lie, and they lie, and we just keep on listening. Another DVD, another book, another addition to their website, another character in the play, another change in the succession, and all down through the years. We still haven't learned anything since the beginning of time. The multitudes have followed lies. The multitudes rejected Noah. The multitudes did not listen to Moses. The multitudes rejected Yeshua. And the multitudes today and to the very end will be on the wrong side of history as well. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. And you have strengthened the hand of the wicked so that he does not turn from his wicked ways to save his life. And that's the worst part. Lulls us into a sense of false security. Tells the wicked they're okay. We don't have to obey God's laws. It's all OK. His grace is sufficient to cover all sins, past as well as present, and we can continue to live a sinful lifestyle, and it doesn't matter. And so we don't repent, telling us we're OK. It's all going to be all right. God is so loving. It's all just about forgiveness, and love, and, and to the righteous, he makes us sad, to the righteous, righteous, those who, by God's grace, walk uprightly, <clears throat> condemnation, called legalists, Judaizers. Heretics. So they send out a message dividing, splitting the Word of God. A portion for the Jews and a portion for the Gentiles. A portion that's old and a portion that's new. Two different ways of salvation one of works and one of just a cheap grace that just forgives everything and anything, whether it's turned from or not. making the righteous sad, and strengthening the hands of the wicked to continue in their wickedness so he doesn't turn from his wickedness. Therefore you shall no longer envision futility nor practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. God will deliver his people. God still sends forth his truth. And a remnant were saved out of Jerusalem. In Ezekiel's day, they were telling, the people in Jerusalem, don't worry, stay. Babylon will not come within our walls. Our walls are strong. Our walls are fortified. We're okay in here. Those who go off to Babylon, those who've been taken captive, Woe to them. We're okay inside. Ezekiel and Jeremiah giving just the opposite message. Stood alone. Few stood with them. But a remnant was saved and a remnant was spared and made it through. All the king and the powerful and the masses. Destroyed, with the city, with the walls, with their false hopes. We look at every verse in this chapter. four times, it said, "And you shall know." K n o w, know that I am the Lord. Two different times, it said, "They say peace when there is no and no oh, peace." And maybe you're familiar with this little. Saying then, know the Lord God, no peace.
1: And you can look at it both
0: ways, or play on words with the English language. Know, no, and oh Lord God, you have no Lord God, and then you don't know true peace. No, K-N-O-W, no. K-N-O-W, know the Lord God, and will know true peace. Because truly knowing the Lord God is having him not only as God, but having him as Lord. And what he says and how he directs our path is how, by his grace, we walk. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of grace. But he's also a God of justice, and right, and wrong, and truth. And he will hold accountable those who reject him, those who resist him, those who refuse to repent, those who refuse to change by his grace. But to those who hear his word, those who receive his conviction. Those who open their heart to hear him, he comes to us and he tells us where in our lives we're wrong, where in our lives we've made mistakes. And he brings those errors to our minds and exposes them to us. And then by his goodness and grace, he gives us the gift of confession and humility before Him. And in addition to that, He draws us onto His side, and He gives us the gift of repentance. To turn from the sins. And He gives us the gift of forgiveness. That we receive His forgiveness, for as we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And in addition to that, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so he gives us the gift of repentance and the power to turn and change and to be transformed and moved in his ways and in his paths. And as we hear his voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. By his power, by his grace, we walk in those ways according to his word, according to his truth, according to his righteousness. And that's the simple gospel. He gives us all those things. He gives us conviction, he gives us confession, he gives us forgiveness, he gives us repentance. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us new hearts and new lives and a new walk so that we are able by his strength to walk uprightly hearing his word and living his word. Not with a false hope, but with a true hope in his word because the Bible does not predict it's going to get better. The Bible does not predict that the world's all going to come together. Actually, the Bible predicts that all the world will come together against God's people. That all the world will not follow God, but that all the world will follow the beast. And that there will be troublesome times in this world that disasters will increase, that calamities will increase, that hatred will increase, and that enmity against God will increase, and there'll be such trouble as times. The other day, the kids and I went to watch Nelson play tennis. and, And one of the guys there, after he played, not a professional or anything, they're just out there playing. <clears throat> this guy probably in his 60s, maybe 70s. And he said, what a life. And it got me thinking. What a life. Here he's retired. He able to go out there on a beautiful sunny day. Hit some balls over a net with his friends. on a city or county paid for tennis court, drink some water, dress nicely, nice shoes, sneakers, nice racket, get in his car, turn on the air conditioner, listen to the radio or CD or MP3 or whatever, Drive home, have a nice lunch, watch television, listen to the news, a nice home, a soft couch. What a life! We have it so easy. What percentage of the world do you think meets that description? What percentage percentage of the world makes it to 60, 70 years old? And if they do, at that age, are enjoying it. Of have means, not dependent on something else and someone else. Have these luxuries. We mentioned toilet paper earlier. Have toilet paper. Able to just reach and get a little roll of toilet paper. Try going a week without toilet paper. We take this stuff for granted, you know? I mean, I don't think the majority of the world have it. Readily accessible, all the time. And so it's so easy here in America to forget what life is really like for the majority. We think everyone has it just like we do. That everyone's just gonna have peace and safety and that everything's gonna be wonderful. And we're just lulled into a false sense of security. Hitting our balls, listening to music, doing our thing. When a world is dying without the Lord. And we're in this country, we're being fed false hopes that it's all going to get better. And like the people in Jerusalem in Ezekiel's day, when Babylon comes in like a flood and the walls come crashing down, they're going to be shocked and ill-prepared for the calamities that are coming, and will come to us as well. The destruction destroys at noonday. But God's deliverance, God's protection, the angel of the Lord encamps around about and delivers those who trust in him. We'll see it with our own eyes. Thousands will fall at our one side, 10,000 at our other But it will not come nigh us, God's protection, God's hand over Jeremiah, over Ezekiel, and over us. That doesn't mean there won't be martyrs. That doesn't mean we won't die. Doesn't mean we won't suffer. But God will take us on into eternity through the troubles of this world. We don't need to look to the moon or to the stock market to look for the signs of the times. We need to look to God's word and be about his business and doing all by his grace to hasten his coming and when this gospel of conviction and confession and forgiveness freely given to us all already given Messiah has already died for us. It's already there. We don't have to cheapen it. It's freely given. But it's received with repentance and a changed life, which are also gifts that God gives to us. We can receive and experience and walk therein. And when this gospel is preached in all the world, And what they did to Yeshua in a green tree, what they'll do in a dry time to us as well. As they hated Jeremiah and Ezekiel, when this gospel is preached to all the world, then the end shall come. That's what we look to. That's what we look forward to. That's our compass. And that's our calling, and that's what God has called us to. That's what God has called us to look to, and that's what God has called us to do, by his strength and by his power. So as we prepare and pray, in a moment, if there's any sin on our record, God's bringing conviction, in any area in your life, past or present, that hasn't been surrendered to the Lord, any false hopes, any anger, any bitterness, any discontentment, any insecurities, any fears, any worries, any pride, any arrogance, any selfishness, any greed any disobedience in a moment when we pray just surrender that to the Lord receive his already prepaid forgiveness and receive his gift of repentance and not walk therein anymore We've been looking to the false hope and false securities of this world, looking to our government for help, or religious institutions, or our banking system, or your finances, or your education, or your job, or your skills, or your intelligence. Let us surrender it all. Leave it at God's feet. And trust and hope in Him in whatever way and provision He chooses to use. Miraculous or human. God's pressing upon your heart and mind. Someone who needs to hear the word of God. Someone in your circle of influence, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, maybe a work associate, a fellow student, someone God's wanting you to live out a godly life, to share his love, whether in demonstrated form, in action, or in word, maybe to share a card or a track. Remember when we pray, we can ask God to go before us and open the way, open the conversations, open the discussion, open the opportunities. Doesn't mean we preach the gospel at every first meeting of everyone we meet. But we live it all the time to everyone we meet and pray and look for opportunities to share it verbally as well. Maybe someone to email, or send, or tweet, or paste, or whatever, and get the message out. Or fourthly, maybe you're not experiencing peace in your heart right now. Maybe you're troubled by something, worried about something, fearful about something, anxious about something. maybe you don't have peace in the security of the salvation that God has given to you, maybe about your future, I invite you to surrender that to the Lord in a moment when we pray, and to accept God's peace. Because He does have true peace, and He will give us peace in our hearts, even when there is no peace in the world around us. He'll give us a peace that passes understanding, that defies logic. And so if any of those areas apply to you or something else that God's been speaking to your heart and mind about, let us pray together and let God do his work. <clears throat> our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we're thankful for your word and we're thankful for your truth. And we thank for the everlasting gospel. We thank for your laws and your ways, your fairness and your justice. We want to surrender all to you our sins and our cares. And we want to receive you in the power of your spirit to use us to walk uprightly, to walk in your ways to shine brightly for you in our circle or in further circles or whether to donate to ministries that are able to reach where we're not able to reach, whether here locally or abroad, impress our minds and our hearts on your calling upon us. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.